Welcome to episode one of our Just Teachers CPD series for our teaching and support supply staff. This episode aims to provide the knowledge and understanding that's required to support children and young people's positive behaviour. I'm pleased to introduce Chris Almond, who's an executive head teacher and an SEMH expert, who will be discussing in this first part the legislation, policies and procedures for promoting positive behaviour for learning. Hi guys, um, my name's Chris Armand, um, current head teacher of MSUH Provision. And today we'll be looking at um, behaviour for learning and, and strategies to um, help support you. And looking at, at behaviour, um, we're going to start at the top really, and we're going to start with policies. And we're going to look at uh, policies that schools have uh, in place to support themselves um, and the students. In behaviour to make sure it's a safe environment. I think it's really important that, that if you are going into a new school, a new environment, that, that you are fully aware of the school's policies. All schools have policies, all schools will have a behaviour policy, all schools will have a safeguarding policy, an anti-bullying policy, but there will be slight differences. It's important that, that you know um, what those differences are and what the expectations of the, uh, the school are and what the expectations you are to have of those pupils. Starting with the behaviour policy, the behaviour policy will set out quite clearly the expectations of behaviour for students and for staff. Many schools will have um, a behaviour system and it's more likely to be an electronic system that, that, that enables them to track and monitor behaviours. So it's important that, that, that they do have a system in place that, that you know what it is before you start. Um, do you need a login? How do you, how do you track behaviour? How, how do you monitor behaviour? Who do you go to for help and support? You know you're in a difficult job. You, you haven't got a relationship with the pupils that you're going in to work with and therefore it, it, it is challenging at times and you will be on the, uh, the end of challenging behaviour uh, as pupils are trying to test the boundaries and look for where the, where the boundaries are and what they can do and what they can't say with you um, and often as a supply teacher you know, we'll get behaviours that perhaps other more established teachers within that school won't get so it's important you know what your support networks are and how, how you can access that support um, with the behaviour. Also, vitally important, safeguarding policy. You know, make sure you're aware of what's in the safeguarding policy and what your job is and role is as an adult in that establishment. Um, you know, safeguarding is everybody's responsibility. You know, making sure you've read section one of keeping children safe in education and signed it. And um, that, that's really important. Next up, Chris discusses how supply staff can promote positive behaviour for learning according to the aforementioned policies and procedures. Um, going on to look at actually in the role, how do we manage and support pupils with their behaviour? You've got to have a positive relationship, you've got to have a, a relationship with the pupils, um, but, but what does that mean and how do you actually do that? And then certainly in that short space of time that you're in a in that environment, perhaps you might only be there for one day, two days, three days, or what have you. And, you know, how, how do you get this mythical relationship that means all the behaviours are, are going to be positive? The first thing is you have to have clear expectations um, that, that are communicated to the students. Hopefully the school has made that, already done that in terms of they communicated effectively to the students, to the parents, uh, and to the staff, you know, as a staff team, have uh, as consistent approach as possible uh, towards behaviour. There, there are always going to be little differences and idiosyncrasies in terms of staff's tolerance levels. You know, that, that, that's always going to be there. You can't have it absolutely the same um, in every single lesson. There will always be differences. 
but there has to be that clear expectation as what the, the, the guidelines are as to, as to what is acceptable and what is not acceptable behaviour uh, and what behaviours help to create a, a positive learning environment within the classroom. Well, the things that are absolutely key and vital in helping to uh, create a positive environment in the classroom got the expectations, but we've got that consistency. You know, there's got to be consistency of approach. We can't be seen to be having favourites. If we're challenging at a behaviour with that pupil there, then we also have to challenge that behaviour, that same behaviour, if pupil over there displays it, because then it's not fair. There's nothing that pupils like more than to say, it's not fair. They have a, a, a very good sense of what's fair and what's not fair. Uh, and certainly in an SEMH environment, it's, a, it's an exaggerated sense of what's fair and not fair, and they, they get very agitated and upset if they think that it is not fair. So make sure that we are being fair. Make sure we're being realistic with our, with our expectations. Don't cancel Christmas in July. You know, make sure that the punishment fits the crime, that the, the consequence is appropriate. And, and that's difficult because when you start, whenever you, you, you get a challenge to your authority, your body starts to do certain things, and, and that's going to happen regardless of how many years you've been doing this job, you know, it's a natural reaction. If there's a challenge, you, your body will instantly start to release adrenaline because it, it, it goes back to, um, it goes back to caveman times. It's how we say, it's how we survive to this start, this day, you know, that, that fight, freeze, fight response. And if somebody's directly challenging what you say in an environment where other people are looking, it, it's uncomfortable. So your body's flooding with adrenaline. We have to be aware of that. In any conflict situation, the first person that needs to calm down is yourself. You've got to take a breath, just a deep breath, calm down. Sure, we're not rushing into it, we're not saying something that we can't deliver on. Because ultimately, if you say something, right, that's it, and this is happening, it doesn't, you just, you just look weak. The response has got to be graded and gradual. No matter what's coming at us, our response has to be graded, graded and gradual. It's a sign of strength to ask for support. But it's very important that, that that's done in the right way. And, and some schools are very good at it, and some schools aren't as good at it. But that, that comes back to schools being very hierarchical. If children have got um, showed signs of challenging behaviour or have got social, emotional, mental health issues, these kids deal in power. If I abdicate my power as a class, as a teaching assistant, or as a teacher, somebody comes in and says, right, can you, can you sort of take that out, open the classroom? It gets sorted in that instance, but it, the problem is now 10 times worse. Because in the eyes of that pupil, in the eyes of the other pupils, it's sort of, you can't cope. Yeah? Now, it's absolutely right that that pupil probably has to leave the classroom. It's about how we do it. I was going to support a member of staff, I've been asked to go to support a member of staff. You know, the first question uh, I ask when I walk in is like, basically, I ignore the pupil. No matter what he's doing, he or she's doing, I don't engage. I only engage with a member of staff. And I say to them, here to support. What do you want me to do? So on the head, it might be mid-day supervisor, it doesn't matter. At that point, they're in charge. The member of staff has to be in control of that situation. So they're directing me, which proved to be everybody else that they're still in charge of the situation. It's only a little thing, but it does make a difference. You know, because when you get a scenario where children are displaying challenging behaviour, the other 29 are all seeing what they're seeing what's happening with this challenge. So it's a much a less it's a much a message for everybody else that is also for that person. That, that teacher's still dealing with it. To follow it up, make sure if the person has had to go off or go out or go somewhere, make sure that person sees you following it up. In my lessons, these are the expectations. 
Am I being unreasonable? I don't think I am. Do you? No, good. Thank you. Next time, when you come in, this is what I need you to do. X, Y, and Z, not A, B, and C. And when we're talking about um, you know, low-level low level disruption and low-level behaviour in the classroom, you know, we have to challenge. That's the first thing, it has to be challenged. All behaviour has to be challenged. We can't ignore it and hope it goes away. Because then you say to everybody else, that's acceptable. And over time, it gets a lot, lot worse. In an SMH environment where, where there's a lot of pupils with significant anger issues and lots of language, you, know, you still challenge, but it's how you challenge. You still challenge every time kids swear at each other. But I'm not making a huge deal of it. Within this environment, and I always say to kids, you know, we all swear, but it's about the skill, it's about where you swear. You know, my, my language, my choice of language down at the rugby club is a lot different to my choice of language in front of my parents and at work. And it's a skill, and it's a social skill that will help you get on in life if you can realise and recognise the environments that you're in and how you behave. And that's part of that conversation about that's why I'm certain, that's why I'm challenging your language. So please don't swear in my lesson, thank you. That behaviour is, it, it is all about, it's a challenge, what we're going to do. They all know the rules. They haven't forgotten the rules. It's a challenge. Okay, it's about how we try and deal with that challenge. Because if there's a challenge, they know the challenge is coming from you as a member of staff. And that, that's where that battle starts, and that's where the adrenaline starts to flow, and that's where we get into freeze, fight, flight. We need to take away the audience. Let's take away the audience, because if you make a boot, a kid sat there, there's 30 kids there, Take your coat off, you create a challenge, aren't you? And they've got to back down now in front of everybody else. It's about adults are in charge. We have to create the illusion that adults are in charge. Expect it to happen. Yeah, don't wait for it to happen. Um, it's the most natural thing in the world. I've given a class instruction, I expect it to be done and moving on to the next thing. If we wait and hang around, we almost legitimise the refusal. Okay, so if I was to say, you know, Adam, take your coat off, I'm giving you the opportunity not to. But if I say, Adam, take your coat off, please, thank you. Right, guys, what we're going to do today, create that environment where, where you, you just expect compli compliance in my lesson is the norm. It's not the exception, it's the norm. So I'm just giving instruction and I'm moving on. Okay, and by moving on, I don't give the chance for a confrontation. Obviously, I might have to come back, revisit it if you still don't. You know, we have to go through the grading gradual, but start off start off, off really low. And the other thing is, you know, never give an instruction in a question form. Are you going to the hall now? No. No, I need to go. You know, it, it's, it's that sort of thing, you know, because you legitimise refusal. If you give an instruction in a question form, there's two answers. Yes or no. We don't want two answers. We want the yes. So be polite. Please and thank you. I always, always say, please, instruction, Thank you. Move on. There's very little that you can challenge me on there. There's nothing to get upset and angry about. Take your coat off. Please take your coat off. Thank you. Move on. Why do I want to create a conflict situation, a potential conflict? Be polite. Please take your coat off. Thank you. So start with a please, end with a thank you. There can be no upset on the pupil's behalf because of the way that they perceive that you've spoken to them or disrespected them. There's none there. Yeah. And actually, you're modelling. Treat people how we want to be treated. I'd like to be treated with respect, so I'll show you respect. Because then when you don't, you can use that. Excuse me, I don't swear at you. I'll show you that respect. I expect the same back.
Finally, Chris looks at how using the right body language and also the use of restorative practice in the classroom can assist in promoting positive behaviour. One of the really important parts of behaviour management is our body language. And this is not about what we say, okay, this is about what we do, how we present. Most pupils don't actually hear the words, okay, it's more about the tone of your voice, it's about how you stood and where you stood, the use of your hands that, that, that conveys most of the most of the message. So actually it's not about the words or the phrases that we use um, in, in, in the SMH world is this idea of, of smiling eyes. It's really important uh, when, we, when we are challenging behaviour uh, that we're conscious of, of where we are stood uh, in, in relation to the uh, to the young person. And one of the most important things is make sure you're not blocking the exits. Okay, because the pupils go into free, freeze, flight, fight mode and you're blocking the exit, the likely result is they go into fight mode. So always giving that, that get out with, 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 with dignity clause. We're not getting into unnecessary um, tussles and struggles uh, and physicals with the kids. They're trying to get out of the classroom. If they're that determined to leave the classroom, let them leave the classroom and we, we monitor, follow and support. What do you do with your hands um, when you're talking to pupils? Never put them in your pockets. Don't have them behind your back. I wouldn't fold your arms, but it is difficult um, to know what to do and then to feel comfortable with your hands. I find it difficult because I use my hands a lot, as I'm doing now. When I'm talking, you've got to be careful when you start waving your arms around in a situation or you escalate the situation. Make sure that you're not stood square on um, to the pupil. It's quite an aggressive stance, but make sure that we're just turning our body 45 degrees. We can maintain the eye contact, but we, we just turn our body through 45 degrees. Uh, and it's a lot less threatening and intimidating and, and a lot less likely to, to evoke that freeze-fight response. All the time, we've got to make sure that through any crisis situation, we've got to try and stay calm. Now, it's often is an illusion, okay? I mean, you know, it's that illusion of the, um, of the swan gliding across the river, paddling like mad underneath. But when you go into any situation like this, you know, what's the end goal? Where do you want this to go? Make sure that when you're going to deal with a challenging situation, you know where you need this to be. Make sure you have that in mind because then it's easier to plan your steps, your graded and gradual responses to, to that point. I do think it's also really important if you're teaching assistant in the classroom, difficult when you're on supply because you, you don't know the teacher you're with. But having that confidence to be an adult in the classroom, the biggest fall downs for supporting pupils um, with, with challenging behaviour, if they've got that one-to-one -one TA, one-to-one -one TA support, is through no fault of their own, the, T, the TA sometimes becomes almost like another pupil in the classroom. And they abdicate responsibility because they might not be sure of what to do in that situation. And they end up asking the teacher. And what that's saying to the pupil is, you've got no, you've got no power in this classroom, so therefore I'm going to ignore you. The adults in the classroom have to trust each other because what we're expecting the kids, the behaviours we're expecting, they're just, any reasonable adult would expect those behaviours. They're just general, good standards of behaviour, good manners, polite, and as an adult, we can expect those. If you as an adult think that that child needs to be, to do the X, Y, and Z, and have the confidence to, to actually say, okay, well, we're doing X, Y, and Z. And if you're the adult in the classroom, have confidence in the adult and trust in their abilities to act like an adult and make appropriate decisions, then it becomes, it becomes very powerful.
if everything has to go through the teacher, um, then the impact of any teaching assistant in the classroom is compromised, uh, in my opinion. And I've seen some really, really good, powerful um, classroom teachers and, and teaching assistants um, examples where it works really, really powerful. But you wouldn't really know sometimes who the teacher is and who the teaching assistant is. Restorative practices and restorative com conversations, I believe um, they're, they're very powerful. Um, but I, I also believe that they're not in place of consequences, that they're, they're part of, of the whole conversation. A restorative conversation, that they're hard to have, they're difficult to have, mainly because we haven't got time. Whatever you, your role is within school, you've got a timetable and it'd be lovely to spend 15 minutes having a conversation about what's just happened. That often isn't possible. Um, but it is, it is worth investing the time in a restorative conversation, whether that be break or lunchtime, a free period if you've got one planning period or five minutes after school because you'll get it back in space if you'll seem to be following through with what, with what you promised. Restorative conversation um, it, it is a conversation with the pupil about the incident. The most important thing and, and the one thing that we're not good at as adults uh, is listening and especially in the education world we, we hear a silence we want to fill it and the most important thing is regardless of what the pupil actually says, is to give them time to give their side of the story. It might be absolute fantasy, but at least they can't say, I haven't been listened to. You haven't had the chance to hear my side of the story. And then it's all about linking it back to feelings. You know, okay, when you did that, how do you think that person felt? Or how do you think that made other people feel? Try and unpick the behaviour. And if they've broken the school behaviour policy, there's consequence. So that consequence has to be there. You know, this is instead of a consequence, this is as part of that, that, that behaviour. But, but it's about planning for the future. Okay, next time this situation happens, next time that person says that, or next time somebody does this, what are you going to do that's different? Let's come up with a strategy. What can you do? And if the pupil can come up with a strategy, it's more powerful. Okay, and once they come up with a strategy, if we can guide them towards a, an appropriate strategy, yeah, brilliant, fantastic, that's great, we're going to do that next time, that's what I want to see. All, all behaviour is, is, is learned, okay, so if we can learn behaviours, we can learn new behaviours. But if it's taken 12 years to learn that behaviour, learning a new behaviour isn't going to happen instantly. It might do but it probably isn't. And you're probably going to have to revisit and revisit and revisit. These are behaviours that, that, that hopefully over a space of time will change until um, you get to the point where you've got the, the behaviour that you desire. If you've had a restorative conversation, you can use it. Remember that time. What did we agree? Um, you agreed to this. This is what we expect. These are the expectations you've agreed to this. And, and remind them. Part of that going forward is positive praise and positive regard. Catch kids being good. If you see behaviour that you like, reward it, but reward it with praise. More kids like praise, you know. So when a kid's doing something that they should be doing, anyway, praise them for it. Okay. Fantastic. Love the way you came in there, guys. Love the way you sat down. Really good. Yeah. Thank you for getting settling down to work quickly. We're all ready to go. Brilliant. Love the way you do that. Well done. Yes, they are the norms. Yes, we all, the school rules are up there. We go in, we take a coat off, we sit down, we get our pens out, we're ready to work. But they've done it. So just that, well done guys, thank you, already excellent, let's go. 
okay, or on an individual. I love that. I think you've holding the door open for me now. I love your manners. Great manners. Fantastic. Well done. Catch people. Catch pupils being good. And actually, you'll probably find that you start seeing them being good more often because everybody likes praise. One of the most important parts of working with pupils with challenging behaviour is to realise that you're not on your own, you're part of a team. Uh, and it's really important that the team works together. It's certainly not a sign of weakness to go and ask for help and support. Okay, but more importantly, I think, is that proactive support to a class team or a department team or a whole staff team about what works with certain pupils. You can pretty much guarantee that if a pupil's having issues in a lesson, it's unlikely that it's an isolated instance. Okay, more than likely that there's going to be a pattern of behaviour uh, across a series of lessons. And having those professional discussions about, okay, what works? Who's got some really good strategies? People will have different strategies that they use uh, that, that work with pupils. It may be due purely down to the fact that that person's got a really, really positive relationship with that young person. Trade on it. Get that person into common support. If that young person sees you two people working together, that will have an impact uh, on, on their behaviours. But yeah, get in there, brainstorming it as a staff team or department team. Plan, is there a risk assessment? Is there a behaviour management plan around any pupils that you're, that you're working with? Because if there is, and it's a good behaviour management plan, it will have a list of strategies that work. It will also have a list of strategies that don't work. Behaviour management plans, good ones, are, are live documents that are, that are updated regularly with ongoing successes and ongoing pointers as to how um, that pupil has been supported um, to manage, manage their behaviour successfully. One of the most important things about when we're dealing with an incident or behaviour or, or non-compliance, once we've brought it to a closure, the consequences have been applied or, or through however that is done, or if it's part of a restorative conversation, the consequences applied, that's it then. It has, it's, a, it's a fresh start. We start again. The consequence of the restorative conversation closes the loop, but there has to be a fresh start. An avoidance of the, if, if an incident starts a day or two later or less than two later, referring back to the time that it, it was the same. Yeah, if we're going to refer back to things, refer to, refer to the lessons when it went well. Once it's closed, it's closed. We deal with it here and there. And, and the behaviour policy of the school will give you that grading and gradual response. Because, you know, ultimately, there are people out there with very challenging behaviour um, who, whose lives are very traumatic and their ability to manage in a, in a mainstream environment it, they, they can't do it. They move on to, to places where they're, they're better suited and, and, and resourced and to a higher level to be able to manage those behaviours. Be calm, be consistent, be fair, don't overpromise or underpromise, um, be consistent and ask for support. Also, importantly, give support. You know, you're, you're a team of adults you know, and we have to create an environment where, where adults in charge. And, and the, the, the biggest and easy part of that is, is adults working together as a team and people seeing adults working together as a team uh, and adults modelling the behaviours um, that we want pupils to see.
Before you go, Chris will share with you how you can get hold of a full learning module and complete pause point on behaviour for learning via one of your Just Teachers recruitment consultants. Thank you for listening to today's session on uh, behaviour for learning. Um, I hope you found it useful. Your educational consultant will be sending you an email um, with a download, much of today's content and more in there, with some exercises for you for yourself to complete, and which are part of your, your ongoing CPD. Next topic uh, will be, we will be working on is supporting pupils with their emotional well-being. So hopefully, speak to you soon.